intelligent people can take the Bible seriously, and we're going to read the scripture together. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions. We say this is a place where you can express your faith and your doubts, but we believe that intelligent people can take the Bible seriously. And so I want to invite you to read along with me. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, uh, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of God's word. You may be seated. Someone asked me that week, is that a Christian rap group? Oh, what to say, what to say. Um, Anyway, I want to invite you to uh, week two of Straight Out of Nazareth. Uh, This is a study of the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is known as the Gospel to the marginalized, people who felt like outsiders, like they were just a number, like they were nobodies. And Luke specifically tells us how Jesus interacted with people who were often invisible in his day and the truth is the same for us today, often invisible in our day as well. And while teaching in his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus announces his mission. 
to preach good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Luke shows us what that means for you and me. And today we're talking about how Jesus interacted with people who were living with an illness or a disability. And the Center for Disease Control released a report last year that 25% of Americans live with a disability. 61 million Americans. The most common form of disability in older adults, adults is mobility. And the most common disability in younger people is a cognitive disability of some kind. And one of the most common struggles is access to care and services for people who, who uh, live with a disability or an illness. The CDC also found that the diagnosis, just for an example, of autism went up 15% from 2016 to 2018 with 1 in 59 American children diagnosed in 2018. And the CDC is asking the government for more funding for research and services. 45% of Americans live with a chronic health condition of some kind, and there are approximately 16 million cancer survivors currently in the United States. And according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, one in five Americans are affected by a mental health condition every year, with the most common being anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and substance abuse is often connected you know, with one of those uh, mental conditions. So the obvious takeaway for Americans is that we need more and better access to healthcare services. And at the same time, and another takeaway is if you feel alone, if you struggle with an illness or a disability and you feel alone, you're not. You're, you're definitely not alone. And statistically, lots of us in this room are either living with an illness or some kind of a disability, physical, cognitive, you know, mental, or we have a loved one who is. And maybe you're a caregiver, maybe you're a parent of a child with special needs, and, and you know the, the, the weight that that involves. And so we're talking to a lot of people today when we talk about how Jesus interacted with uh, people living with a, an illness or disability. You may feel alone, but you're not. But the experience of people who live with an illness or a disability is often one of isolation. I posted a, a question on my Facebook page this week asking anybody who lives with an illness or disability, has a loved one who does, if they would post their experience. And we had several comments, and I want to read them to you. And, and um, I'm just going to read the whole thing, you know, what they wrote. Like each of them wrote like a paragraph. And I know reading can, just reading something can seem kind of boring, but I think it's important to let all of ourselves uh, enter into their experience and hear their stories and, and just hear it from them without editing and, and maybe put ourselves in their place or maybe you can identify with what they're saying. So one person who uh, lives in a wheelchair said it's, it's exhausting year after year, exhausting day after day. I appreciate kindnesses. Um, getting your head around all that you just can't do anymore is hard. Loneliness goes deeper than most can imagine. Is it Sisyphus who, who is eternally rolling the rock up the hill? In, in Greek mythology, she said, that's how it is over time. You just feel the weight of that, don't you? Another person has a daughter who struggles with an eating disorder, and she wrote, our daughter was diagnosed with an eating disorder at 18 months old. We went years with hospital stays, seeing specialists, a feeding tube, uh, food therapy, speech therapy, and all the stress that goes with that, and the social security disability. She's 11 now and not on the growth chart. This is a continuation of also being behind in school. It's a lifetime of problems for her. She also has renal tubular acidosis, and she says Gary Coleman had this, and that's why he was small. 
she'll need a kidney transplant at some point in your life. Like I said, it's ongoing. And you just hear the, the, the ongoing struggle of a mother, don't you? It's just, this is a part of her daily life. Another mom shared about her son. She said, my mom, or she said, my son was born with a degenerative genetic disease. This year alone, he missed 70 days of school, had multiple hospitalizations, etc. As someone mentioned above, the isolation for both he and I is probably the hardest part. He isn't like his peers and misses out on being around them often. I'm at home or the hospital with him and go days without talking to another adult. He misses so much and I mourn for the loss of simple childhood things and for the loss of innocence because he has been through so many difficult things most his age haven't. It also affects our entire family. His siblings worry about losing their brother and there is a lot of uncertainty about whether I'll be able to attend an event or be home to pick them up from some school days. You see how the family is affected. With all that said, now check this out, he is also one of the kindest hearts I've ever met. He feels things deeper and is far more empathetic than most his age. On his birthday, he asked for toys to donate to Children's Hospital instead of his presents. Since I became a dad, I can't get through stuff like that anymore. This, this kid asked for presents to take to Children's Hospital. He's also so brave, literally the bravest person I know. Sorry for the novel. I could go on and on about what it means to have a chronic illness. And then finally, a guy I know who, uh, who was blind wrote this. He said, being blind fundamentally changes your interaction with the world. People don't quite know how to react to someone who doesn't see. Plus, I miss all kinds of context clues and body language. It's incredibly isolating, and the world is not built for those who cannot see. Just getting around and finding my way in the world is extremely difficult. School is challenging because textbooks and other handouts that instructors may give me are useless to me without taking a three-step process to convert it to a format I can read. Everything takes more time in the world, it's just, and the world is just more dangerous for me. But in general, people treat me more kindly and are, are more patient uh, than when I was a sighted person. And when you, uh, what you hear in the sharing of these people about, you know, in their comments, um, that the physical challenge may not be the most painful part. Did you catch that part? where it just seems like there's an emotional toll and a, and a relational toll with family and loved ones that might be actually more taxing than the physical struggle itself. And they said it's an isolating experience. Um, you know, my wife is a teacher, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to the plight of teachers. I love teachers. I love education. I support education. I support teachers. I have to, and it's important to say that. There was a story in Indiana this past week, I don't know if you saw it, that just illustrates the difficulty. And not all teachers are great. 99.9% are, but not all of them. And it, there was a special ed teacher who was probably trying to build community and be funny, but she gave an award out uh, to a boy who is, I believe, blind and autistic and, and maybe um, uh, uh, nonverbal. And the award was the most annoying male in the class award. Did you see that story? And the, the parents showed up at the class, and they were just taken aback by it, obviously. And, you know, again, I'm sure and she's busy in her world. The teacher thought that might be funny or something, but it just it wasn't. And that kind of isolating experience, that, well, well, that's hopefully that stands out as more than others, but that kind of isolating experience tends to be common in the lives of people who struggle with an illness or disability. And so our scripture today tells us about a guy who lived with uh, what could be considered both. And uh, it was this uh, disease called leprosy who encountered Jesus in Luke chapter 5. And Luke tells us that Jesus traveled to synagogues 
around Judea in modern Israel teaching. And he talked about his vision of what he, he, God wants to do in the world. The kingdom of God is coming and what that looks like and, and, and good news for the poor and all the things that you saw in the intro video. And one of the beliefs around the Jewish Messiah that w- uh, was when the Messiah comes, it will be accompanied by miraculous healings. That God's power would be evident through the Messiah and, and people would be healed of diseases and disabilities. And that's what the people experienced through Jesus. And so when Jesus was teaching in a town, there was a man who had leprosy who saw him. And he may have seen him from a distance. The man may have snuck around and trying to avoid people because he wasn't even supposed to be in the town. And he saw Jesus and he threw himself down in front of Jesus, begging Jesus to heal him. And it's interesting what he says to Jesus. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He does not doubt Jesus' ability or his power What he doubts is his willingness to heal the man. That question gives us insight into what his experience was like as a man who had leprosy. Leprosy was a word that covered several uh, skin conditions in the ancient world, all of them totally treatable today. Hansen's disease, psoriasis, ringworm, things that are simple and treatable today. But in the ancient world, what makes a story about Jesus encountering a a person with leprosy so powerful is the the brutal way that society dealt with people who had leprosy. Uh, We read in Leviticus chapter 13 in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, what somebody with leprosy was supposed to do. So you you may be an adult, you may have been healthy all your life, and then one day you, you wake up in the morning and you look down and there's some kind of spot on your skin or some sore, and if that had happened to you, and some of you have experienced this kind of feeling, you see that, and you look at it in shock and disbelief. Oh, no, 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 no. No, this can't be happening to me. Please, God, no. Don't let this be happening to me. That was the experience of so many who saw some kind of skin condition develop on their body because that was now called leprosy. And there was a public panic surrounding leprosy and skin diseases. And and so what was mandated to somebody who developed leprosy was that they were to rend their clothing as a sign of mourning, a sign of grief, a sign of death. It is as though they were the walking dead and they must rend their clothing and grow their hair out and wear it disheveled and not not fix their hair but look disheveled and and, and look, look like there's a problem as a sign to everybody else that this person has leprosy. And then what they were supposed to do, whenever they saw somebody, even from a distance, who didn't have leprosy, they were supposed to cover their mouth like this as another sign of mourning and yell to the person, unclean, unclean, so that the person could see them from a distance and walk around them and avoid them. That's even if they got anywhere around people who didn't have leprosy because finally lepers, people who had leprosy, were not allowed to live in the camp. This is an ancient time when the camp moved around and and, uh, they were desert nomads essentially. Lepers were not allowed to live in the camp. So uh, they were completely ostracized, shamed. Uh, They were the ultimate outsiders. Leprosy is the, the ultimate brutal example of what human beings are capable of when we see something we don't understand. Are you with me? And, and we, we're afraid of it. 
And so what we do is we treat that person as an other, somebody that's not one of us, and there's something wrong with you, and you have to, you have to go over here. We'll be here, and you go over here away from us, and it, we ostracize, and, and uh, we, we pretend that people aren't even there eventually. And that's what happened to people who had leprosy. So you can see why he asked the question, you know, if you're willing, could you heal me? Not, are you able, but are you willing? Do you care enough about me? Do you see me? Am I important enough to you? Because he wasn't important to anybody. Am I, do I mean anything to you? Enough to heal me. And so Jesus decides to heal the man. He says, I am willing. Now, there's a detail in chapter 5 that you might miss if we didn't know anything about leprosy and how Jesus heals him. It says that Jesus said, I'm willing. And then do you remember what it says? He reached out his hand towards this man who had to shout unclean so nobody else would go near him and had to live away from everybody else. He reaches out his hand and touches him. And says, be clean. Now, in that touch, that's not just, I have compassion for you and I'm going to heal you. But in that touch is a world-changing message, isn't there? There's, a, there's something that changes the world in that touch. Because it's a, it's a, it's a statement that the fear and the panic of the other and not understanding somebody who's different from us and the ostracizing and the ignoring and the making invisible and the demeaning and, and the demonizing, all of that is completely unnecessary. And it does violence to people who are on the other end of that treatment. And it's wrong. And it's not even, it's not even needed because you know what? Hansen's disease, which is the most common form of leprosy, it's not even really contagious. If you sneeze right in somebody's face, maybe. Touching somebody, no. All of that treatment, all of that brutality, all that ostracizing was completely unnecessary. It's a world-changing touch that broke down walls, broke down barriers, and proclaimed to the world, it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus encountered a man who experienced a life of isolation, and with a world-changing touch, he restored that man to his rightful place in the community, which may have been an even greater, feeling, or greater healing than the physical healing. Not only did the, did the skin condition go away, but now, now we break in, we're breaking down walls and the guy can come back into the camp and he can, he can come back to his loved ones again. He can hug his children. He could see his parents. He could hang out with his friends again. He restores the man into his rightful place in the community with dignity and respect, just like everybody else. And so healing includes breaking down walls of fear and apathy in our world. If we want to be like Jesus, which is what Christian means, a little Christ, somebody who follows Jesus, then we can join Jesus in healing and we can break down walls of fear and apathy in our world. I, I'm old enough to remember the AIDS panic. Who was alive in the early 1980s and remembers when the world discovered AIDS? Do you remember what that was like? 
There were news stories everywhere, and then like conversations in the in the break room at work or at school were like, "Can you get AIDS from a toilet seat? Can you get it from a drinking fountain? Like, what if what if I touch something and I don't know it?" And people who had AIDS and it became known, just like just like leprosy, they were ostracized, they were judged. One of the one of the fear based reactions was, "Well, that person did something to deserve this." And so you've introduced this terrible thing into our world and it might affect me and I'm scared, so now I'm just going to double down on you and ostracize you. Not only am I afraid of the disease, but you're bad. That's the next level progression that fear can create. I remember when that happened and and Freddie Mercury was one of the first high-profile people to pass away with uh, complications due to AIDS. And you just see every once in a while that some, some, some panic, some fear rises up it may be uh, because of who you are. You've experienced from your family or from your friends or from your church people ostracizing you because of who you love. Maybe that's been your experience. And, and they, they treated you like you're the other. You're bad. There's something wrong with you. And get it away. Get it away. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And, and you've, you've experienced that isolation. But healing includes breaking down walls of fear and apathy and, and we're invited to join Jesus as healers. Maybe one of the ways is just supporting medical research and being the kind of person that supports science and medical science and, and, and the discovery that we've made. I mean, millions of people have been saved by vaccines. So, some of us wouldn't even be here right now if it weren't for medical science saving lives. And so maybe it looks like just uh, breaking down walls of fear and apathy and misunderstanding about medicine as well and medical science, and when you hear conspiracy theories, maybe countering those with what the world medical community states as fact, that may be a way of being a healer. But we're invited to join Jesus as healers. In the second passage we read today, um, Jesus is in a house after this, and the crowds have, uh, have started to build, and there's a guy who's paralyzed. We're not told why, but he, he lays on a mat, and that's, that's his life. And he has some friends some guys who carry him, who knows how far, to see Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to have friends like that? Maybe some of you do. And friends who will just support you and carry you. Maybe they're healers. These, these friends, maybe that's what it looks like in your life to be healers, just to support and carry people that you know that are struggling. But they carry this guy on his mat to Jesus. And they see the crowd and they're like, there's no way we can get in here. And so what do they do? These are great friends. They climb up on the roof. And, and, and start taking apart the tile. And, and they lower the guy down in front of Jesus. What an amazing example of friendship and, and joining Jesus to be a healer. And they lower this guy down in front of Jesus. And there's some theology in this passage because Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Luke is telling this, that Jesus is the son of God. That Jesus is somehow God in the flesh. And that God is present in, in Jesus. That's Luke's way of telling us that. But there's doubt. Well, you shouldn't be saying that you can forgive sins. And so he says, well, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Say, hey, hey, dude, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. And he goes home praising God. And and the people say, we've seen remarkable things today. Remarkable things. Awe-inspiring things. Out of the life of somebody who was paralyzed and laying on a mat. And everybody wrote this guy off except for his friends except for the people who cared about him. Maybe you're the parent of a special need child and you understand the, the struggle, um, just the everyday struggle of, of, uh, of, of helping your child to navigate this world. But also you have the thought of, 
well, my child's going to grow up in this world and the way that it is. And my child will have those feelings of isolation and, and loneliness and all these questions. Of, if you're willing, you know, doubting his, his or her own self-worth. But maybe you're like these friends. And you just hold your child and support your child. And you give them the resources they need. And you make sure that they have everything they need. And, and you know, you'll move heaven and earth to help your child. Maybe that's what it looks like in your life, or maybe you're caring for an aging parent who's struggling and you feel the same way. They used to care for you and now the tables have turned. We have folks in our congregation like that and, and the way that you can support them is by doing everything you can, like these friends, to, to carry them as much as you can and, and give them the resources they need and, and bring them to healers. But we, we can join Jesus in his work of healing. And um, this past week, our whole country uh, got to see most of the people, because this video went viral, and it's, it's been seen like by 30 million people. Most of the people in America probably have seen this video at this point. If you haven't, you're welcome. If you have, you, you're going to know what's coming here in just a second. But there's, uh, of course, one of the singing shows, America's Got Talent, this past week. And uh, this mom brought her son onto the show, who is blind and, and lives with autism. And, you know, when they parade people across the stage, you never know what the person's going to sound like, how good of a performer they really are. It's a singing and performing show. And, and so you kind of wonder, and the mom explained, you know, what it's like for him, his experience, you know, in, in the world and what music means to him. And there's this awkward silence when he sits down at the piano for about 10 seconds, just kind of preparing himself to play. And then what happens next? If you haven't seen it, enjoy it. This is Cody Lee on America's Got Talent. Let's check it out. Yeah, isn't that phenomenal? Oh my goodness, I hope you brought your Kleenex. I've, I've watched that probably 25 times. That kid's gonna sell a lot of records and I'm, I'm buying some. Uh, you know, how many of you found yourselves tearing up? Or just trying not to ugly cry, even, during the video? Um, my wife showed that to me and we were both like, oh my goodness, and what is it about seeing that that produces tears? Isn't it something like, you know, singing is a celebrated art form, ability in our culture. And so you see a guy just slay a song like that. It doesn't matter, you know, if he has autism or, or not. That's just an amazing performance. And, but, but you see that, and then it shows us that so often in our society, we don't value people like Cody. And it corrects us. And it shows us that at the core regardless of our ability or our health or health condition or illness, we're all the same. And, and we're reminded that people deserve respect, not isolation. They, re, they re deserve dignity. Everybody does, whether they can sing like that or not. And uh, if that's your experience of isolation from an illness or a disability of some kind, Jesus touches this man. And then you watch a, a video of somebody like Cody and you're touched and, and we're all reminded that you matter. And it's a statement. Even if there are people who think you don't, they're wrong. Because the truth is, and God says, and everybody else says, you're important, you're visible, you're seen. You matter. You don't have to live alone. And we love you. And we want you to be a part of the camp. And to the rest of us, it just says to us, we may be in a place someday, if, if you're healthy, and well, maybe you will struggle, and we'll want that same kind of compassion. But every single person we view, we have the opportunity to join Jesus as a healer and view that person with respect and dignity 
and, and counteract the isolation that they feel. To help like those friends did carrying that mat, to offer help, time, resources, and we can join Jesus in his healing work. I want to invite you to pray with me now. And if you are uh, living with a, an illness or a disability, this first part of the prayer is, is for you especially. And we're all going to join in in prayer here together. And God, we're thankful for those in our community who live with an illness, a disability of some kind, something they would rather not have to live with. And maybe the comments uh, that we read earlier are true of them. Maybe there are other things they would say about their experience, things that would just be mind-blowing to us. God, I pray that um, our friends who are living with uh, those things could be heard and have an outlet to express their feelings. And I, I pray for even miraculous comfort, a sense of Jesus, you touching them, like you touched this man with leprosy. And his, his main question was, Jesus, are you even willing? Am I even important enough for you to touch me and, and heal me? Maybe that's your prayer. God, am I important to you? Maybe you've asked questions about divine healing. They naturally come up in a passage like this and we read these stories in the Bible and that raises questions for us. Perhaps whatever healing looks like, perhaps it looks like restoration. Restoration to the family, to the community, and maybe even restoration in our own minds that know we really are worthy. We are worthy of other people's help. We're worthy of other people's listening ear when we need to vent sometimes. We are worthy of the resources that, that uh, society offers to us and more. We're worthy enough to ask for more resources because we're as important as everybody else. For those of us who are caring for loved ones who are walking or, no, or not, who are living with a disability or an illness of some kind. God, may we look at Jesus and his compassion towards them and us. We're all the same. Yeah, we may have different things that we struggle with or different weaknesses. Maybe we can mask ours. It doesn't matter. We need the touch of Jesus like everybody else does. And we're worthy, and so are they. There's no difference. There was no difference between Cody before he opened his mouth to sing and afterwards. He was the same person with the same dignity and the same worth and the same rights and the same value. God, help us to see that truth. That is a truth from you. That was a truth you proclaimed when you touched the man. The fear, the panic, the apathy, the feelings of superiority, those are all a, a total illusion. Completely unnecessary. The person who lays in a bed on a ventilator has the same value. God, thank you for that challenge and for, for opening our eyes and for showing us reality the way things really are. We pray for comfort and strength for parents caring for a child with an illness or 
disability. We pray for um, new resources. We pray for uh, people caring for aging parents or just friends and family members that are struggling. We're thankful for a church where our children's ministry is run by teachers and they're educated and they're open to feedback and we can make this a great church for kids with special needs. How awesome would that be? God, if this church could be the kind of community where people are valued because they're valuable to you and we see that. God, thank you for what you're doing in us and thank you for how you can heal and bring restoration through us. And most of all, we all need healing from many things. As we sing this last song together, God, may we acknowledge our own need for you and and the need for our journey towards wellness and open ourselves, maybe even holding out our hands as we sing as a posture of openness, opening ourselves to your healing work, your touch in our lives, your forgiveness, your cleansing, your your healing. So God, we, we thank you and we want to sing to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We're going to invite you to stand right now. We're going to sing one last song together. Invite you to sing it with all your heart. Open yourself to God and invite the healer into your life this morning.